The 65. New Zealand does not feature often in the international news. Today, three of the top ten most popular stories on The Guardian mention New Zealand. Some of these are somewhat frivolous, but not necessarily trivial for those most directly affected. Number five on the list is a story titled New Zealand and Australia Prepare to do Battle Again Over Treasured Manuka Honey. For the uninitiated, Manuka Honey is a national treasure, like maple syrup in Canada or whisky in Scotland. Number nine was New Zealand Cinema's expletive-laden voicemail gets rave reviews. This may have been news in the US or the UK, but I doubt anyone even regarded this as noteworthy in Christchurch. Number 10 made mention of a man shot by police, which is newsworthy because it only happens about once a year in New Zealand. There are more serious events impacting the nation. The latest COVID lockdown, the terrorist knife attack and the flooding in Auckland have all got me thinking today about life in Aotearoa. I'm a proud citizen of that land and count it as one of my homelands. Today I am thankful for all our friends and family in New Zealand, in sport, school and mission. I'm grateful for the great TSCF team and all they do to share hope and show care to students. For Knox in Lower Hutt and other churches passing on good news and offering support to their communities. Someone recently asked me, what did I learn in New Zealand? The short answer is, a lot. I'm deeply appreciative of our time in New Zealand and our ongoing relationships with people from that time. We experienced great encouragements and significant challenges in our years there. The song that came to be an expression of life in God's own was Blessed Be Your Name. We had some fabulous times in New Zealand and some tough ones too. Missing people and celebrations in the old country and adapting to a new country and culture is not a walk in the park. This song became something of a theme tune and I'm finding it has fresh resonance in this season. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, when I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise, when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. I guess this is pretty standard learning. Most people who have moved can relate to the sunshine and the pain. 
staying in the same place also brings experiences of ups and downs. But one of the things I definitely learned more of in New Zealand was the faithfulness of the Lord. The second thing I reflect on from New Zealand is that there are no edges to the work of God. People sometimes talk about the place they are as the back of beyond or the middle of nowhere. New Zealand is certainly isolated, but it is not forgotten. It is connected to the world. And I saw time and again the contribution of Kiwis on the world stage. It is a cliche that New Zealand punches above our weight. We are slightly obsessed with the per capita middle table at the Olympics and are fiercely proud of our achievements. New Zealand has also been a place of welcome and refuge to many. The second verse of the national anthem is an appropriate prayer expressing this. Those of every creed and race gather here before thy face, asking thee to bless this place. God defend our free land. From dissension, envy, hate and corruption guard our state. Make our country good and great. God defend New Zealand. I believe we are to pray for governments and cities and nations. But the psalm today reminds me of a higher horizon. It starts with a reminder that God will draw all people to himself. Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. This includes New Zealand, even though at the time this psalm was written, there were no people living on those islands. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The Lord is the God of the whole earth. The places most distant from Israel are included in the promise of God and are heirs to the hope of the gospel. Remote places have mattered to God and been part of his plan from the beginning. There are no boonies in the sovereign purpose and love of God. Urban and rural, city and village, nation-states, provinces and unceded lands are all included. Sometimes we forget that Jesus was born in an unfashionable area in a little-regarded province. What started in the whop-whops of the Roman Empire spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, including the places we today know as Scotland, Canada and New Zealand, and many points in between. This global perspective is picked up again a few verses later. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. These are great words because they cover the entire planet. When the evening is faded in Canada, morning is dawning in New Zealand. Songs of joy are sung around the world. From the rising of the sun to its going down, 
the name of the Lord is to be praised. These first two things are lessons I learned in New Zealand, but I also learned an important lesson from New Zealand, which this psalm also touches on. It is that the land matters to God. The Lord cares for the land, waters and enriches it. The Lord replenishes the water systems and provides irrigation for crops. The stewardship of the land by Te Atua Kayanga shapes our responsibility to care for creation and to be in right relationship with the land. The severing of this relationship with the soil is a negative legacy of industrialization and colonialism. It is an issue where Maori have taught Pākehā and embedded something significant in the cultural landscape of the nation. Not that we have always got that right in the past or the present. I'm thankful that lessons learned from Māori and Aotearoa have been taken forward through interactions with native people on Turtle Island. The care of creation is an area where I think our indigenous brothers and sisters have a lot to teach us. It has deep resonance with the heart of God and reflects where we have come from, where we are now and where we are heading. The Lord who created sustains and will renew. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, but in the meantime the one we live on is all we have. We have a responsibility to take care of it, and God provides for our daily needs from its bounty. The psalmist gives thanks for this. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with green. They shout for joy and sing. This is part of my challenge in reading and understanding the Bible. I am a Westerner looking through an urban lens at a book that mostly comes from an agrarian society. Its writers use agricultural metaphors, but they are grounded grounded in the land, trying to work out the big issues and separating the trivial from the serious is not just for the newsroom. It's a theological exercise with profound practical implications. I need to keep learning.